You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Greedy with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, as good a sports weekend as you could ever possibly ask for. Inexplicable college coaching decisions, crazy baseball results, and of course a full Sunday culminating in a beatdown last night. Here we go! Only one place to start. Shotgun with Dowdle on Prescott's left, and there's a slant, intercepted. Well, I know what Cowboys Twitter is going to be full of. It's a punch in the gut, it's a kick in the ass, whatever, whatever phrase you want to put on it. This may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of. Well, this might be the most humbling morning that one member of the Hashtag crew has ever had to live through. Greeny with you here. Um, the great Rex Ryan, good enough to hang out after we wrap up, get up, and spend a few minutes with us. We're going to dive into a lot, but I need to just check in on Bubba. So Bubba is our producer, Rex, and he is the biggest Cowboy fan you will ever meet in your entire life. And he's a bit of a front runner because he always wears the Dak jersey, the Micah jersey, whenever things are going well. But I see him today. Oh, not so proud of your so beloved. Proud. Hey, hey, Bubba, how about them Cowboys? Yeah, how about them? You know, I, I wear the jersey after wins. I'm not going to, you know, so uh, I'm just following the, following the protocol. Following the, I'll have it on Friday. We'll be wearing it Friday in advance of next game. Don't worry. After 10-42 to 42 last night. Rex, where do we begin? We had a good debate Ooh. this morning. You know things have gone really bad. When the debate on get up the morning after your game is which part of it was the worst. Like you and Dan got, no, that was a different one, but, but Dan and D Wood get into a big argument. Dan's trying to convince everybody that this was Dak's fault. D Wood's trying to convince everybody this was decided on the line of scrimmage. You're basically trying to convince everybody it's the coaching. So we're, we have a free for all over what was the worst yeah. element of the Cowboys' life. Yeah. I mean, look, clearly the entire, all those things need to improve and they all need to take credit for this defeat. Um, Dak looked almost like a robot back there. This was not the, the Dak that I was expecting in this game. Um, he made some horrible mistakes. I mean, and uh, the one deep interception is uh, there's no way you can make that throw. But then you're trying to force the issue. You had the one, one def, uh, interception off the slant. I thought maybe the, line, the uh, receiver could have helped him out there. But when, when I see, like, the line of scrimmage, they averaged, and I got this from Himbo. I stole it from Himbo, like always. They, they averaged 1.9 yards on first down. And you're not going to beat a team like the, the 49ers that way. Like, you are inept on first down. That puts you behind the sticks on second and third down. And, and you can't do that against a great, uh, great football team like, uh, like the Niners. Uh, it, was, it was such a thorough domination by the way you don't steal anything from him his job is to give you these numbers uh, and he does it well i've lost somewhat in all of this is because we are the whole world is so cowboy centric it's just worth saying what's the last time we saw a team as complete as the 49ers look right now when you draft a quarterback with the with the last pick in the draft who's as good as that kid is the last time we saw something like this it was the patriots 
The Patriots drafted Tom Brady in the sixth round, and the rest is history. Right. You, what was the comparison that you made with Brock Purdy this morning? He reminds me of Joe Montana. And I'm saying that because what I see, obviously it starts with the poise. The fact the, guy, the guy's hard to beat. Well, he hadn't been beat. Greeny, to your point, he's never lost a game really yep. as a starter. He's never lost a game. And the only game that they have lost since he became their starter was in the NFC Championship last year when they had no quarterbacks healthy. Yeah, when he got hurt. Yeah. So, uh, But what I see, too, is that, that poise and that mobility and the accuracy in the pocket and outside the pocket. His eyes are always down the field. He's looking. He, yeah, he can scramble, but he also is looking to, okay, my guy's coming open. He throws guys open. The, the timing, the anticipation, the guy is absolute money. And to me, so much of that reminds me of Joe Montana. Bill Walsh, the great Bill Walsh used to tell me, like the, the second most important thing when taking a quarterback is mobility. Pocket mobility and mobility outside the pocket. The kid does it. With, I mean, he's so smooth. And, and to me, that's what I see. And I, I see a Bill Walsh-type quarterback. Let's be clear on what you mean by that, because people will hear mobility and they'll think about all these guys scrambling, running, no. design runs. That's not what you mean by mobility. No, mobility is in the pocket. How he, like little subtle movements while his eyes are still down the field and a great feel in the pocket. When is somebody coming to strip the ball from me? When all that, because he'll put the ball on his front shoulder. The guy has it all and it's just amazing. But, you know, that's why this is not just about who has the, the strongest arm. It's not just about who's the strongest guy, who the fastest guy is. There's so many th- different things to play in the position, but the Niners, look, we can criticize all we want about taking Trey Lance. They know they need a, a difference maker at quarterback, but who the hell would have thought they would have got it on Mr. Irrelevant? It, but it's they incredible. did. And, and Hembo, there are no – it's almost impossible. You live your life in the world of numbers. To try and, and – and, um, a sign of value to having an elite quarterback who's making less than a million dollars is, I mean, it's so overwhelmingly the best thing that could happen yeah. to an NFL team, it's impossible to put into words. Brock Purdy did an interview last week in which he said he still lives with a roommate in San Francisco. That's how little yeah. money that he makes. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's high time, though, that we stop qualifying his performance as great for Mr. Irrelevant or great for someone we did not expect. He's just good, regardless of where drafted, regardless of... Right now, Rex, he's the number one quarterback in the league throwing the ball outside the numbers. He's the number one quarterback in the league throwing the ball 15 or more yards beyond the line of scrimmage. That is among all quarterbacks, not just among quarterbacks we did not expect to be good. He's just good. And right now, he's a a 5.5 to 1 to win the MVP. Historically, this is an award that goes to quarterbacks on the number one seed in the conference. To me, that's the best value on the board right now. I could absolutely see him win the MVP of the whole yeah, league. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, but those numbers are, are incredible for a guy that, you know, he doesn't have the Josh Allen bazooka arm, you know what I mean? But he does have good, a good enough arm talent, but it's everything else he does. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm telling you, if this guy isn't like the next coming of Joe Montana, I don't know who is. He still lives with his roommate and drives his old Toyota Sequoia because he hasn't made enough money to just start living the good life. But he will. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Something that we really didn't have time to get into on TV today, but I think fits better in this setting. When you see the Cowboys get blown out by the 49ers last night, you think to yourself, well, that's the last thing in the world they want to do is play them again in the playoffs. I remember 
on Monday night, Mike and I did our show in Foxborough that morning. You were going. The Jets were yeah. really good. The Patriots are really good. You guys were playing at New England on a Monday night. Felt like a monster game, and you got obliterated. Yeah. I think the score was 45-3, to three. and you got just crushed. And was that the game where you buried the ball? Yeah. yeah. And, and the point of the story is something like seven weeks later, you played them again in the playoffs, and you beat them in New England. So right. you're living proof that this doesn't mean the Cowboys can't figure this thing out. So how do they do it? Yeah, no, absolutely, Grady. And, and it's funny because McCarthy said, I'm not about that BS with, you know, moving past the game. He can't. I knew that team well. So it wasn't like we can learn, you know, learn that way from it. We just knew that we had to tighten up everything we were asking our players to do. We had to be on the very top of our game and dial this team in. And I think we had an injury during that week that contributed to it. We, we tried to go on with our demons plan. We got torched. However, I'm telling you, this is it. I felt in my heart that in six weeks we were going to play that team again. We were going to beat the heck out of them. And I honestly did. This team right here, you heard Micah Parsons say, we're not that far off. People are going to be like, you're crazy. I don't think he's crazy. I don't. But they have to learn from it. And that coaching staff in particular has to learn. What are we asking our players to do? How can we take the roster we have and get better at it? And one thing I'm going to, like, this might be the best thing that happened to Dallas in the fact that, no, you're not as good as you think you are. And so I've got to use my pieces a lot better than I, that I've done. So Mike McCarthy, that's the challenge to him. And you know what? Maybe down the road, could they duplicate the, thing, the same thing? Possibly. A lot of different ways you can hang out with us here. You can watch our show on the ESPN app. Just click on watch, look for hashtag Greeny, and enjoy. We also, of course, have the podcast. Both hours available every single day wherever you get your podcast. It's called hashtag Greeny. Rex, of course, everyone wants to hear your perspective on the Jets' big win in Denver yesterday. And the first thing you said to me was, Robert Sala is a lot classier than yes, you would have been. He absolutely is. And and that's why you love Robert. But sometimes, like, come on, Robert, just just do something, you know, like I would do. Something stupid and crazy. What would you have done? I would have picked up homeboy and said, let's go. I would have carried him off on my shoulders. And if I couldn't do it myself, I would have had somebody go with me. Why? Because it was that big to hack it. Anytime you get called out so unprofessionally by Sean Payton. And look, I love Sean Payton, but that was, I, I mean, what are you thinking, Sean? Like, you weren't just an analyst like, like we are now. You had to coach again, you know, you were in the profession again, and you can't make that statement. But this is something that was so big for Hackett in particular, but even the Jets, because he never just criticized Hackett, he criticized the Jets too about, oh, win the offseason, there's going to be one of those teams with an epic fail. And by the way, they lost their quarterback. So it was set up that, yeah, it could be an epic fail. You know what we're doing now? Flipping it around, that this team's going to win and you know what? It ain't going to be because of Aaron Rodgers. We're going to do because of the rest of us. And I think that's what this team, they're heading that way. And they're taking a little step. The quarterback's getting a little better and a little better and a little better and a little better and a little better, just like I said they would. Yeah. And I was very disappointed in how Sean Payton handled this whole thing because there were so many opportunities, including yesterday, for him just to take sort of the classy route. And it wouldn't even have been that hard to do. And he chose not to, and whatever. I mean, that's that's him. I, I, I still like him, but gen- I'm very disappointed in the way he handled this. That said, you have been much more um, uh, optimistic than I have. We, we both love the Jets. We both right. want them to win. 
you've been continuously optimistic. I really liked what I saw in the second half yesterday. Obviously, the defense looked much different in the second half. They looked much better. Uh, Brees Hall got going like crazy. Brees Lightning, he's tremendous. And Zach Wilson, I thought, looked like a different player in the second half. So tell me what you thought you saw from a Jets team and what you think this team can do going forward. Well, I saw a lot of positive things, and and you're right. I saw a defense take over a game. And you know what? Sometimes you got to get out of your structure. Like There's a lot of comfort in just playing that – that, that solid defense that solid does, all right, and because we're so athletic and, and so talented on the defense. However, sometimes you got to take the game over. That's what I saw Sala do when he started attacking Russell Wilson at the end of the game with the game on the line. And you saw Quincy Williams. Ooh, did he, did he stand, stand out to me. Yeah, he's great. But Oh, and the speed and everything else. But that, that was great because sometimes you may have to win a game that way. I saw a running game that now – when we worried initially about, you know, when Zach was taking over, come on, guys, like, what are you? Are you running duo, which is double teams and gap schemes, or are you running zone plays? Well, now they combine the things, but we're, they're doing it being creative, off of motion. They're doing things that way to get an advantage numbers-wise. So I tip my hat to, uh, to Nathaniel Hackett because the whole thing was set up, and early we saw where he was just running his Aaron Rodgers offense. They don't like motion. They don't do that. Why? Aaron doesn't like it. Well, here, no, we need to do it. We need to gain an advantage in the run game. The other thing we're going to gain an advantage is numbers in the protection. You have a different guy at quarterback. That's why I see him taking steps, going better and better and better. You talk about Brees Lightning, okay, Brees Hall. He's sixth in the NFL in rushing. All right, but 28th in carries. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen when he starts getting more carries? And the other thing is, too, this isn't just a one-headed monster. They have a guy named Dalvin Cook they brought in for all that money. Dalvin Cook is getting closer to coming back and being the guy that we expected when he got here. Now's the time we see Dalvin Cook take off, and then your guy Carter. I love him. they got three guys that that, – can, can run this ball and be the, the primary thing about this offense. But the great thing is when the running game gets better, what do you think that quarterback's going to do? He's going to get better too. He's the benefactor of it. So when you're able to run the ball or give the appearance that you can run the ball, that opens up the passing game. And this kid, one thing we know, and I think he's proved to everybody, he can throw it. He has NFL talent, arm talent. He also has NFL mobility, and those are the things that we're going to see him get better at. Where they need to vastly improve is red zone efficiency, though. They played against a team that was second worst in the NFL in in, uh, red zone defense. We were 0 for 5 in touchdowns down there, so that has to get better. What happens there, the windows are much tighter, and I think eventually the quarterback has to know you can let it go. It's us or nobody. We catch it or nobody else does. But give him the opportunity to rip it down there. And I think if, if they do, he'll get better. Very interesting day all the way around. Rex, you're the best. Thank you, as always. Hashtag crew is here. We're getting ready to roll. My takes are coming up right after this on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement... 
Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. All right, here we go with my takes. Week five is all but in the books. We still have the Monday Nighter tonight with the Packers and the Raiders, but I'll give you my top five takeaways from yesterday's NFL action, starting at number five. Number five. The Patriots are going to have to sit down and take a long look at their future. And by that, I mean long term. Because, Hembo, this team sucks. There's no other way to say it. They've lost the last two weeks by a combined score of 72 to 3. We have seen things done to Bill Belichick teams that you never would have dreamt would happen. And Belichick has to be held accountable for this. This is his product. No one person in the entire National Football League, no one is more responsible for what goes on to a field every weekend than Bill is. They're his players. It's his coaching staff. He's made every decision there, top to bottom, more than anybody else. And it's awful. They have cratered. They have reached rock bottom. They may be as bad as any team in the NFL. Whatever hope there was for Mac Jones to become a good NFL quarterback is slipping away directly before our eyes. This is a mess. And if I own that team, and of course I do not, I have extraordinarily high regard for the man who does. 
If I'm Bob Kraft, I have to start giving really serious consideration to how this thing is going to end. Because however much leeway Bill Belichick has earned, he has certainly earned the right to walk away the way he wants to. But not necessarily when he wants to. This can't continue. Yeah, right now, Bill Belichick is it's Willie Mays on the Mets bat. And, and this team has a chance to be one of the, I don't know, two or three worst in the whole league. We talk a lot about the fact that Bill Belichick, we know, wants to pursue Don Shula's all-time record. But he's 29 regular season win shy, and if you include the playoffs, he's 17 win shy. Greeny, he's not going to do that. At least he's not going to do that for the Patriots. Now is the time to build the off-ramp. By no means do you fire that guy midseason. By every means, he has the opportunity, the right, to walk away on his own terms. But it's really ugly, and I don't see an obvious path for it to get better, at least not this year. You know, if you want to figure out where it has all gone wrong, it really, I think, is the player evaluation more than anything. Because everyone keeps telling me he's still doing good things coaching-wise. Maybe he is. I I don't know. They're very difficult to see. But I think his team is so talent-deficient that... It almost doesn't make any difference. So I just am going back over the course of his drafts. Mm-hmm. This year, he took Christian Gonzalez in the first round, who's an excellent player. He's hurt. He's out for the season. Last year, they took Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton, both of whom were, in the, in, the, in the eyes of just about everyone, massively overdrafted in the first two rounds, and both of them have looked that way. The year before that, Mac Jones. I guess the book is out on him. Christian Barmore looked like he was headed towards being a terrific player there. They took Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth round. I'm just looking over their picks. They took Nikhil Harry in the first round a couple of years ago. And that was a draft that had top-level receivers in it, like Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf and others who went after him. It, it is the mistakes that he has made have just completely caught up to him. And while I will never be one who says, see, see, it was all Brady to begin with, it has certainly given a lot more credence to the people who do want to say that. The, the most valuable trait that a coach can have, at least a coach that coaches for as long as he does, is the ability to evolve. Nick Saban has done that in college. That's what enabled him to have all this success over the course of time. But from a personnel standpoint, Bill Belichick has not. They have the slowest team in the NFL. And a quarterback with a dad bod. You're not going to win in the NFL in 2023 if you have a quarterback that looks like that, throwing it to gu- throwing it to guys that run like that. Plain and simple. I don't care how good your defense is, how good your run game is. The bottom line of it is the Patriots have built a team to win in 2005. And it's not 2005 anymore. Yeah. And people will say, well, look, they've lost two good players on defense to injury. So does everyone. Everyone loses some players. Uh, Graziano said a really smart thing one time. He said... Most of the time in the NFL, it comes down to who your second string outside linebacker is. Like the, the teams that win are the ones who have people ready to step in. And the Patriots have not shown they have anyone ready to do anything. So they are a mess. That's number five. Give me number four. Number four. The Lions are for real. I'm ready to sit here and say the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFL. And I'm also ready to say the Lions are my second team in the NFC. Now, I know you Eagles fans sitting here, Hembo to my left, and Cam uh, back in Bristol are going to yell at me. And I understand they're unbeaten, and they were in the Super Bowl last year, and they're playing the Jets this week, and everything else. But... I love what I see in the Lions. They're playing without Amon Ross St. Brown yesterday. They're playing without Jameer Gibbs. They still score 100 points. 
They're creative offensively. They're physical. They have a player on that defense. That Aiden Hutchinson is so good. They're excellent. They're well-coached. They're talented. They are as legit as a team can be. Lewis Riddick told me at the draft he thinks they will be in the NFC Championship game. I 100% see what he sees. So it's not just five games for the Lions. The reason I'm all in on them is because it's the last 15. The Lions have won 12 of their last 15 games, dating to week nine of last season, during which time they have a top five offense. We're talking about nearly a full season worth of data. Jamison Williams debuted yesterday. He's going to get it going. A really fast player that's going to make big plays for them on the outside. And Sam Laporta, their rookie tight end, he's already one of the 10 best players in the league at that position, in my opinion. I love what I've seen from that kid. He caught two touchdowns yesterday. There aren't five offenses in the NFL that are better than this one. If they can play league average defense, they will coast to the NFC North title. And sure, they're absolutely a team that could reach the conference championship game, depending on how things break in January. Yeah, they lost in overtime to Seattle the second week of the season. That's the only loss they have this year. They, They just walloped Green Bay. They beat up on the Panthers and the Falcons. They beat Kansas City on the road. They're going into a stretch here where they're going to win a bunch more games. The Lions are absolutely for real. These are my takes from the Sunday in the National Football League. Give me number three. Number three. The Bengals, I think, are sitting kind of pretty in the AFC North. A division we thought was going to be the best in the NFL and right this minute looks like it might be the most average. The Ravens, I don't know how they lost that game yesterday. I have no idea how they lost that game yesterday. Rex, I hope... Everyone got a chance to see this on Get Up. It was really smart and good. I did not see this on Sunday Countdown, but Sal Palantonio did a a feature on how the Ravens and their receivers coach has them practicing using rugby balls, which is a bigger, thicker ball than a football is, and it teaches these players to catch with their hands. And then yesterday they drop eight passes some of them directly in their hands, and Rex used some video to demonstrate that. And a lot of them, the players' hands seem to be too far apart because they've been practicing catching rugby balls, which are bigger than footballs. Now, look, I have no idea if that is contributing to this one way or the other. But the Ravens lost a game they had no business losing. In the meantime, the Steelers are tomlining again. That should be a verb. They look just awful, and they're in first place in that division. But all this is leading up to my point. Things couldn't have started worse for the Bengals than they did, and they're one game out of the top of the division. The the best news is the division did not run away from them. Yesterday, they looked like they're starting to get it back together again. Jamar Chase went nuts. Burrow did look healthier than he has before. Their bye is coming up. I think the Bengals are going to be sitting pretty and right back where they wanted to be by the time we are six weeks from now. So I agree with that logic, although Vegas definitively does not. Because right now, I'm looking at the live odds on Caesar Sportsbook. Cincinnati's 5-1 to one to win the North. They're behind Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh in doing so. Is that a bet I should make? Should I play the Bengals at 5-1 to one to win their division? Yeah, I think so. So I think at least part of the reason this is the case is because they're already 0-2 within the division. I know. The first two weeks of the season. And so that could obviously go a long way in breaking ties down the road. But that is a pretty juicy number. This is a team that did start 0-2 last year and still won the division pretty easily. You think Pittsburgh's winning 10 games this year? I don't. Do you think Cleveland? I don't. Do you think Baltimore that's, does? That, that's the team. I think that's a 10-win team. Do we think the, the, Are the Bengals a 10-win team? They're 2-3. They they're not 0-5. They could get there. We talked about the Bengals all year like they're 0-5. They're 2-3. Yeah. I think 5-1 is a good value, even if I don't think they're, even if I don't think they're likely to beat the Ravens. 
If I made you right now make a pick in that division for with, with no odds stacked in any direction, you would take Baltimore? I'm taking Baltimore still. But with, with the odds, the best value is with Cincinnati. I'm taking Cincinnati. Greeny and my takes from an NFL Sunday. Give me number two. Number two. Cowboys got to do some soul searching, and we opened up by talking at length about that. And I'll, I'll, I'll let Bubba give a couple of thoughts here because, of course, he is our Cowboy fan. But but the, what I meant by the soul searching, I brought it up with Rex. December 6th. 2010, the Jets went to Foxborough at 9-2. and two. The Patriots were 9-2. and two. The Patriots humiliated them on a Monday night, 45-3. to three. The world laughed at the Jets. Rex buried the ball, and then they went back there in the playoffs six weeks later and beat that same New England team. So I know with my own eyes that it can be done. So the Cowboys, that's what I mean by soul-searching. They've got to figure out how this thing got to where it got. Uh, Bubba, give me. Let us just hear your top line thoughts on what was a horrendous night for your favorite football team. Yeah, I mean, going into the game, I, I really wasn't planning on reading too much into this game because I expected a, a representative effort. And I know in, in the end, it's going to matter what they do in the playoffs against that team. But I, I did not expect that. I mean, that was probably the most demoralizing regular season loss since like the early 2010s when they kept losing every week 17 game to not make the playoffs. Um, but to me, as bad as the, as the Dallas defense was last night, and they were obviously bad, to me the most frustrating thing is their offense, for whatever reason, has been atrocious against San Francisco. If you go back to the last three times they played, they scored 17, then 12, and now 10 and against D'Amico Ryans, D'Amico Ryans, D'Amico Ryans, and Steve Wilkes, the defense coordinator. So the, the Cowboys offense, whether it's Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy, no matter who it is, they can't seem to figure out the 49ers defense at all. And that, that to me, is more of a concern going forward. I have more faith in Dan Quinn figuring things out than I do have in the Cowboys offense figuring out the 49ers defense for whatever reason. What, what were some numbers out of that game that we should know, Hembo? This, these are unbelievable numbers to me. The 49ers ran 41 plays in Cowboys territory yesterday. The Cowboys offense ran seven in San Francisco's. The, the Cowboys, uh, in total, ran 13 offensive drives in that game. They had 13 possessions, Bubba. They had eight first downs on 13 drives. It was, a, it was a college football game in which you paid a team. Like, you paid them six figures to come to your place and get absolutely destroyed. The Cowboys were only a three-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. It was effectively a no-show. Honestly, though, I'm not sure it was even the worst loss that the Cowboys have suffered this season. For some reason, we just, like, excused that Arizona game. This, this team has now lost on the road to a team way better than them in San Francisco and lost on the road to a team way worse than them in Arizona. So it's not like they came into this game undefeated and their uh, resume was beyond reproach. Like We should be talking about the Cowboys as if they might not make the playoffs, not as if they're one of these teams that will be a factor in who wins the NFC at the end. That's a strong statement. I don't think I would go that far because I don't think the conference is that good. But I think when you when you start considering the only thing that matters in Dallas this year is a deep playoff run, if not a Super Bowl appearance. Jerry Jones definitely expects that. Mike McCarthy pushed his chips to the middle of the table. I think if you don't see anything that that approaches that, you may see a new coach and quarterback in Dallas next year. Look, I bet we can name at least five or six teams right now in the conference that we think are better than Dallas. I think that clearly San Francisco is better than them. Philadelphia looks better than them. Uh, Detroit is way better than them. Do we think Seattle is way better than them? I think Seattle's better, not way better. That's I think four. I, I think the Rams are as good as Dallas, if not better. I watched that whole game yesterday. The Rams are good. Yeah, the Rams can beat some people this year. 
I, look, maybe you're right. Maybe just because of the constitution of the conference. But if we're already qualifying the Cowboys season as, oh, they'll make the playoffs because the conference stinks, then they've taken a major step backwards. Yeah, what, what I'm co- qualifying is they've got 12 weeks left. They've got a lot of time to figure it out. And, and to, to the point I just made, I saw the Jets do it. I would not write the Cowboys off. That's why I phrased this by saying they have to do some soul searching. They're getting a lot of stuff wrong right now. They are less than the sum of their parts. They need to figure that out. Finally, number one. Number one. I'm going to say this, and I want you to play the soundbite. I'm having a little technical problem, so I'm going to ask Cam to play it for me. There are so many takeaways I have from the Jets and Broncos yesterday, but my number one has to do with Sean Payton. So Sean is asked after the game about his comments back in the summer about Nathaniel Hackett, and, and here's how he handled it. Yeah, listen, they played better than us, and I credit you know Robert and that staff. They won the game, um, and I think that's, that's how I look at it. Coach, do you regret, though, those comments, making those comments? As, I, I, already, the I already addressed that, though, and it's a fair question, but I think we already addressed that the, the next day. That, that was an opportunity and a really easy one that would cost you nothing to be a little classy. That was a really unclassy way to handle that. Robert and that staff refusing to even mention Nathaniel Hackett by name when he's obviously well aware that's the reason the question is being asked. It was a really unclassy way to handle everything. When Nathaniel Hackett said last week that he never heard from Sean Payton after that whole episode, um, I, I'm really disappointed in that. There's, there's just a way that people should conduct themselves we're in these kinds of positions and it's not like we were asking Sean Payton to you know throw himself on the ground and 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 grovel and beg forgiveness it's very easy to say yeah I regret saying that I got you know you know I, I understand why they were upset by it and congratulations to him they got the win they did a good job congratulations to him I'm sure he's happy whatever there was just a classy way to say that and that wasn't it So that disappointed me for a person who's been around and has accomplished as much as he has. That said, um, I have a million thoughts about the Jet game, but if there's one that stands out the most, it's that the Jets are a team that gets much better as a game goes on. It's fascinating to me to watch. I don't know if that is a sign that they are well-coached, that they are making good in-game adjustments, but the, that game in the second half was a completely different game than the game was in the first half. Zach Wilson looked like an entirely different quarterback in the second half. Their defense looked entirely different. I don't know if the formula the Jets are currently utilizing is going to get them to the playoffs. I can sit here and mostly joke about the possibility that I'm, I'm hoping that Aaron Rodgers will make it back this year. I do recognize that the odds are extraordinarily against that. So what you're going to try and do is run the football, play great defense, and just have Zach Wilson make enough plays without making big mistakes. I, I don't think that's, in the long run, a formula that works. At some point, you're going to have to go one of two ways with him. You're either going to say, we're going to live with losing a few games because of him and think he's going to win more, or we're just not going to take any chances whatsoever. 
They're kind of in the middle of those two places right now. I don't fault them for that because they're trying to figure out what they have and what works, and I give them a lot of credit for winning a game they absolutely needed to yesterday while not playing anything near what I think is their A game. Yeah, I don't disagree with the word that you said, but two weeks ago, if I had told you the Jets would go to Denver and win a game by 10 points in which they played C-minus football, you would have signed up for that 100 times out of 100. Of course. And, and to put a number behind your observation – the Jets have been outscored by 38 points in the first half this season, and they're plus 26 after halftime. So I do think that is evidence of good coaching and probably of good coaching a young team. But this team can get off the mat, and that at least means they're playing really, really hard for their coach and they're making good adjustments at halftime. All right, I got much more on that one, obviously, as you would imagine. There's a million things to get into, but right now, uh, sneaky hembo time. I don't have my button here, so we'll do just- a boy, Cam is right there with me. Here we go once again. Sneaky Hembo, first question of the week. Including the playoffs, which active quarterback has the most career wins against Bill Belichick? Including the playoffs, which active NFL quarterback has the most career wins against Bill Belichick? The answer is next on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. Hashtag crew all around us. You can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Wow, okay, and how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Hembo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? Sneaky Hembo, go. All right, the question today is a really good one. Once again, it is... Including the playoffs, which active quarterback has the most career wins against Bill Belichick? Okay, I'll go first because everyone always suggests that I make the other guys go first, (laughs) and it gives me an advantage. I have three names written down here. One of them is Aaron Rodgers. Just because he's been around so long, you figure even though they did not play in the same conference and they never met in the playoffs it is possible that he has beaten him a large number of times. But I don't think it's actually him. I started going through the players in his division, and generally they're young quarterbacks. It certainly isn't Zach Wilson. So that leaves Tua and Josh Allen. Josh Allen beat him in a playoff game. I feel like Tua's record against him has been very good. I want to say he's won all of, if not close to all of his starts against Belichick. 
I'm almost positive it's one of those two players. I'm looking at Hembo's face as I say these names out loud and trying to get some kind of a read. I'm going to go with Tua. My answer is going to be Tua Tungavailoa. Put that one on the books. Cam, who's yours? I'm going to regret this, but just because he's been around longer, I'm going to say Tannehill, and I think it's wrong, but I'm going Tannehill. I thought of Tannehill also and discounted him, but I I may live to regret that. All right, that's two. And Bubba? Yeah, I kind of have the same thought. I was thinking Aaron Rodgers, but I'm going to go like you. I'm going Tua. All right, two guesses for Tua, one guess for Tannehill, and the correct answer is? Josh Allen. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Oh, I had it sitting right how close was it very so josh allen has six wins and both ryan Tannehill and tua have five oh, you stink hembo <laughs> great question and though. it is the playoff that is a good question all right i, I real i i admire the question as frustrated as i am so <laughs> if you would tally up our scores right now cam where do we stand uh you and i are four and nine bubba is three and ten and Mark Cuban is 0-1. Okay, that's where we all stand. Poor Mark Cuban, and we hope he gets another chance. All right, we have a question of the day today, and I really like this question. Someone put it in here. I'm not going to give any answers. I'm going to hear from everybody. In fact, I'm going to let Hembo answer it first. This is, of course, merely a sports question. There were a lot of crazy things that happened in sports this weekend. In the world of sports, who had, in your view, the worst weekend, Hembo? Mario Cristobal. Mario Cristobal, the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, had the worst weekend, had the worst month, had the worst year, because he effectively decided to lose a game that he could have just elected to win. The fact that Miami decided to run the ball instead of kneel when they had no reason not to, given the fact that their opponent, Georgia Tech, at the very end of that game was completely out of timeouts, is inexplicable. A fireable offense. He did take ownership of it afterwards, but when you think about all the things that go into a football game and all the people on your staff and all the players that have their hopes and dreams riding on an outcome, you had a game won. And the fact that they did not kneel when they should have, when they obviously could have, is one of the most inexplicable, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in football. Let me very quickly set the stage for anyone who didn't see it. This is... This is, in my generation, this was Joe Pisarczyk, Larry Zonka, and Herman Edwards, the miracle at the Meadowlands. Miami is playing a tough game. There are 36 seconds left. I watched it. Tim Hasselbeck, real time, calling it um, in in the booth. And uh, uh, there are no timeouts left. So all they have to do is take a knee and the game is over. Instead, they hand it off. The running back gets stripped, going to the ground. They give up a touchdown going back the other way, and they lost. They lost a game that literally was over, and they had won. I, I agree with you. That is inexcusable. Uh, when, and what I see here, because I didn't—I should have researched this a little more over the weekend, the one thing I hear is that they've had four wins. They have not taken a knee a single time. He obviously is averse to that. Did he give a reason why? No, he just said we should have done it. After the game, he admitted to the mistake, but to your point, and I double-checked this, they have not kneeled one time this year. That's right. So this is like his thing, and he should stop making it his thing. Tim Hasselbeck said that's one of the biggest coaching mistakes at this level I've ever seen in my lifetime. I don't know how you could make a bigger one. Your job as a coach is to put your team in the best possible position to win. Mistakes happen all the time, but that's not a mistake. That's a decision that no one would make. No one would make. I mean, barring something that becomes a documentary, that's not a thing that ever happens. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's terrible. I agree with you. That, that is as bad a loss as any team will have all season long. Bubba, who had the worst weekend? 
I mean, I, I don't think there's any. It's got to be Cristobal, right? I mean, I, I could pick someone else if you'd like me to, but um, I'll say Belichick if it's not him. But yeah, to me, it is definitely it's definitely Cristobal because, and he also did it. In addition to not only does he not kneel this year, there was a similar situation that happened to him when he was in Oregon. I think it was in 2018 against Stanford. He had a chance to run out the clock then, and he ran it, and they fumbled, and then Stanford won the game. So I, I don't know what his situation is, what his deal is, why he's adverse to kneeling. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. But yeah, I mean, they were undefeated. Who knows where they could have gone? They could have kept going through the season. Maybe, maybe finish the year undefeated. And for them to lose that game, it just just made absolutely no sense. But if I can't pick Cristobal, I'll pick uh, Belichick because they're a disaster. Well, let's say who had the worst weekend in the NFL? Then you'll take Belichick. Cam, I'll take Peyton. I think it was. I think this is going from bad to worse for the Broncos. They're one and four. Hembo brought it up, I think, a couple weeks ago that he's doing a worse job than the guy that he said did the worst job in NFL history, <laughs> and that might be true. They are really bad, and like you said, I don't think he really owned up totally to that right after the game, and I don't know. This marriage might not even last like the full season between these two guys. Well, the, the marriage with Russell Wilson is one thing, and then Sean's tenure. Sean, in theory, is going to be there longer than Russell is going to be there. But it is worth pointing out that when Nathaniel Hackett was there and did the, quote, worst coaching job of all time, through five games, they were two and three. And here we are a year later, and through five games, they're one and four. They've played one good quarter out of an entire season, and they have given up the second most points of any team in NFL history through five games. For as long as we have had civilization, men have enjoyed watching other prideful men fail. And that's the thing about the Broncos is like, they're so easy to hate. They're so re- uh, easy to root against because, like, if you look at the marriage, the, the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, if you were to do, like, the, the Madden score, their, their arrogance is 99 and their awareness is 11 or something. I mean, no one has, no one has ever won less and talked more than Sean Payton this year. <laughs> That's true. Um, he really did come in. He really does act like he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, which he's not. He's a very good coach. He obviously had a very successful run in New Orleans. I'm not trying to take that away from him. But he kind of acts like he's Belichick or Reed mm-hmm. or one of those guys. And he has, has – this is his chance to prove that. And he still might. He's off to a very bad start. No one said my answer. I'll give it to you next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.